in Matthew 6:14. Let's read it out together on the screen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh, sweet Lord. It's not a good scripture if we don't forgive others. Father, thank you today for your grace and the strength to forgive, not because we, we will have the want to, because you're challenging us to do it in spite of our wants, because it's an act of our will, not our emotions. So Lord, help us to forgive in Jesus' name. And all God's men and women said, amen. You could be seated this morning. Uh, would you give the worship team a round of applause? Thank you, worship team. They're going to be back shortly, and we'll, we'll have a song to close our time. I believe more than anything, friends, that happiness is truly a fragrance. It's what comes out of you, but that fragrance really comes from an obedient life. Happiness is the fragrance of an obedient life. That's why happiness is an inside story. It begins inside of us, and then it radiates from us. It's never a position that makes us happy. It's a disposition that makes us happy. So it's not where we are that makes us happy. It's what we are. But we have to answer this question. Are we willing to be happy? It's not what you're eating. It's what's eating you. And today we're going to find out what it is that's causing you unhappiness. How do we forgive when we can't forget? How do we? Because in this message on happiness is found in forgiveness, how do we forgive when we never forget about it. Today, we're going to take the worst enemy in our life and we're going to look at that enemy. And that enemy is you. You are your worst enemy. Some of you thought, no, it was my spouse. No, it's my mother-in-law. It's the devil. No, it's you, amigo. You, mujer. It is you. You are the worst enemy that you have. That's why forgiveness is not optional. It's not optional. The sweetest revenge you will ever be able to get on another person is instant forgiveness. So how do you forgive when you can't forget? This is one of the hardest questions that you really get asked as a pastor. Joey, how do you forgive when you can't forget? That's a question if we're honest, many of you in this audience are asking. In the theater of your mind, I want you to get mentally riveted of what I'm going to say in the next 15 minutes. Lock in, because this will help you and encourage you and strengthen you. There was a moment in time, if you think about that for a moment, that time when your heart was broken, that issue that came when you were betrayed by a loved one, a father, a mother that forsook you, abused you, abandoned you. Maybe you were rejected, perhaps abused even. Maybe you were left alone when you needed someone there. A moment in time, what I'm trying to communicate, that has not been forgotten. Maybe you're suffered through a bitter divorce, or maybe you were pushed over by a job opportunity by a greedy friend or a business partner. Perhaps you never were uh, got to that place of employment because you were promised something by your employer, but it never came to pass, and you became bitter about it. As a matter of fact, your life has been scarred in the process. Hear me, if you're ever going to live a normal life, if you're ever going to live a life of happiness, you must hear this message. The first thought of this message is forgiveness is an act of your will, not your emotion. Forgiveness is an act of your will, 
not your emotion. If you wait until you, quote, feel like forgiving somebody, can I tell you, friends, you will die twice over, stumble in your grave as bitter as gall. You will never feel like forgiving anybody that's truly hurt you. So I ask you today, those of you that have been hurting, living in the agony that's truly only known unto God, whose pillow has been stained by the tears and the darkness of the night, are you willing to forgive? I didn't ask you, do you feel like it? Because you're never going to really feel like forgiving, but are you willing? Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment. Forgiveness is the key that breaks the chains of bitterness. Forgiveness brings restoration. Forgiveness forgiveness brings healing from a place of rejection. By the way, forgiveness is not optional. Let's say it together. Forgiveness is not optional. Our text of this morning, if you do not forgive another, God cannot forgive you. Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake forgave you, you are called to forgive one another. Colossians 3.13, forgive one another. Even as Christ forgive you, also forgive you one another. Luke 6.37, forgive and you shall be forgiven. The message is clear. If we do not forgive others, God cannot forgive you. If God forgives you without forgiving another, then God is a liar. And God, how many of you know, he never lies. God is not a man that he should lie. I'm telling you that for a reason, because 62 times in the New Testament, the word forgiveness is mentioned. 62 times. But you know, out of the 62, 22 are talking about forgiving other people. And without that, there's no forgiveness for ourselves. That's why forgiveness, my friends, is the key to absolute freedom. Forgiveness brings freedom, not only from those that have hurt you, but from you living in torment. Therefore, I say the sweetest revenge you will ever be able to take is forgiving and forgetting it. Because the instant you forgive, you are free. You're free from that person. You're free from that memory. You're free from that tormenting emotion. But until you do, the one that has hurt you, has wronged you, has abused you, they will hold you on a string tied like a dog on the end of a leash going down the dusty road of life miserable and unhappy do not let that happen walk out of that relationship walk out of that bondage for whom the sun sets free is free indeed can I get a witness this morning for that you say man that's good stuff Joey that's good preaching but you do not know how they've hurt me you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know about my separation. You don't know about my abuse. You don't know about my divorce. You do not know about what they've said about me on Facebook and all the, the feeds that I've been reading. You don't know. Can I give you what happened to Jesus? Let me give you the story of Christ on the cross. He was the son of God. He had all power in heaven and in earth. That's real power, by the way. He could have called 10,000 angels and just one of those angels could have atomized the earth and turned it into a wad of dust before our very eyes. But the God who had all power in heaven and on earth, he he was nailed to the cross. He was naked. He was shamed. He was spit upon. Blood coursing down his veins. He said these magnificent words, Father, forgive them for they know not what 
they do. You say, well, that kind of forgiveness is God. He's God in the flesh. I'm a mortal human being, Joey. I'm not God in the flesh. I'm not, I'm not divine like Jesus was. I'm a person. I have real feelings. I'm really, I'm a mortal. Can you just get real? Okay, let's get real. How about a real story of a person just like you who had to walk this out? I read a story some time ago about the Korean War. And in the Korean War, when the Communist Party began to take over, the true story about the dark days, a South Korean Christian man who was taking care of orphans there in his city. He was taken by the communist leaders and he was ordered shot to be killed. But when they found out that this Christian man was taking care of the orphans in that particular city, they decided to spare his life. They didn't want to spare his life because they cared about the orphans. They wanted to spare his life because there were so many Korean orphans at the time. There was nobody there to really take care of them. So instead of killing the man that was going to take care of those orphans, this communist leader decided instead to kill this Christian man's son, his 19-year-old only son. So the communist leader gathered this man, his family, and all of the rest of his children into the public square. And there, before a crowd of people, he shot and killed this Christian man's 19-year-old son right in front of his eyes when the tides of war began to turn and the, and the charge of this communist leader who had killed that little boy, that 19-year-old boy, was brought before a trial and was convicted and sentenced to death by execution. This same Christian Korean man, he pleaded before the judge and he asked that this young communist be spared, his life be spared. The Christian man said, quote, this man is young. He's brainwashed early to be a hater of people and disbelieve in God. But he said, if you will give him to me, I believe I can train him in the ways of the Lord. The UN forces granted the request and the father took the murderer of his son into his home. He forgave him. He clothed him. He fed him. He taught him. He loved him. He treated him as his only son. And that man gave his heart to Christ. That young communist leader that had been a murderer, he served Christ all the days of his life and became a devoted missionary because someone was big enough to forgive him and love him back to Christ. Now, how does that stack up with many of us? I can't believe you would speak to me that way. You took my parking spot. Armageddon time. I think they're talking about me on social media. I'm going to beat them down next time I see them. You don't know how they've treated me. You don't. I can't believe people in the church would do that to me. They call themselves Christians. I'm not coming back to this church ever again, you little whiny hiney you. Are you willing to forgive? I didn't ask you, do you want to, but are you willing to? Because don't relish in playing the revenge game. If you're willing to forgive another person, there's forgiveness that's offered back to you. It's been said, we're like beasts when we kill each other, but we're like men when we judge each other, but we're like God when we forgive one another. That's something that needs to be stated each and every day. That's where you and I need to be in this picture, like God, forgiving one another, because that's what forgiveness really is. It's the full pardon from the pain and the penalty of those that have hurt you. Forgiveness is a fresh start. Forgiveness is the canceling 
of a debt. Forgiveness is walking out of the emotional hell right into the arms of God and into the gates of heaven. It can happen if you will let it happen and you can do it today. That's why, friends, forgiveness is freedom from the past. When you refuse to forgive another for any reason, what happens? It corrupts your whole life and it goes into your future. Resentment begins to grow until that resentment begins to destroy every relationship you ever have. It destroys every friendship. It starts to destroy marriage. It starts to decay your business career, your job, because it will corrupt you if you don't get a hold of it. That's why the Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap it. But listen closely. The one who sows to his flesh reaps corruption. But the one who sows from the spirit reaps eternal life. Corruption. Everybody say corruption. That word was a first century term because every listener of the Apostle Paul in the first century knew exactly what that corruption was truly about. Do you know they had in the Roman court a law? The Romans were brutal. The time of the Roman Empire, they said the sun would never set on the Roman Empire. They had a vast army. They were brutal. And the Romans had a law in the court. If you killed somebody with premeditation or forethought, if you murdered somebody, they would sentence that body to you. So the Roman law would say if you killed somebody, they would tie the corpse to the back of the person that killed them. They would tie it to you with a rope. You would sleep with that body. You would eat with that body. And the maggots and the corruption which invaded that corpse would now begin to invade you. And the smell and the stench would start to corrupt. And eventually you would die because of the corruption of that body that you were carrying. That's why the apostle saying the flesh always reaps corruption. The corruption of that corpse, it bred and it invaded the person until that person died because of corruption. Friends, can I tell you, that's what happens with unforgiveness, strife, jealousy, anger, disputes, deception, division, refusing to forgive another person breeds corruption. It's a stench in the nostrils of God and it will destroy you. It was clear in the minds of the believers in the first century what he was talking about and it needs to be clear and the minds of the believer at Oasis Church. That's why I say to you today, your unforgiving spirit will tie the corpse of the person you resent the most to your back. And that gut-wrenching smell, it starts to destroy the relationships you're trying to have in the future. Every person you know will start having that aroma, that taste, and every good thing in your life starts to get destroyed. What's the answer? Run to the place of forgiveness. Don't walk, run, and let it go of the day. Get rid of that stinking corpse that's on your back and Jesus name. That's why he says, but those who sow to the spirit reaps everlasting life. Do you know there's fruit that comes out of corruption, stinky, and there's fruit that comes out of the spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, patience, gentleness, and self-control, where the Bible says for such things, there's no law that obtains unto them. That means if you don't have joy, you don't have Jesus. If you don't have joy, you don't have Jesus. So what's the difference this day? 
between conviction and condemnation. What's the difference? Because Christ came to this earth and he said, I'm not going to stay here. I've got to go back to my father. I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit, your helper. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not goosebumps you feel on a Sunday morning. The Holy Spirit is not something to be aggrieved because you change a song selection or because you didn't speak in this term or that term. The Holy Spirit is a person. Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit's number one job on this earth is? Is to lead you and I through conviction, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Helper has come, to convict the world of their need of God, of sin. So you know when the Holy Spirit comes, friends, it's specific. The Holy Spirit's conviction is specific. It's very specific. It comes from God's finger beginning to point that area in your life saying, I want you to get over that. I want to help you with that. I want to get you in the right place for your destiny to be fulfilled. But that's what the enemy tries to counterfeit with condemnation. Condemnation is not specific. It's not the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from the devil. And condemnation is this nagging feeling that something's wrong. The Bible says right now, Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ the Lord. Condemnation is from the devil. How do we know it's from the devil and not from the Holy Spirit? Because when the Spirit begins to speak expressly in the latter days, it's very specific. It says, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you confess your sin, when you let that thing go, it's buried in the deepest sea, never to be brought against you anymore. As far as the east is from the west, God said, it's forgotten, it's forgiven, it's over once and for all, don't bring it back up. But condemnation comes, this nagging feeling of feeling unworthy, unwanted. There's nothing you'll ever do will be worthy enough. Some of you live with that religious worldview of what you think Christ is like because you're under the spirit of condemnation. You know what psychologists call it? Nagging neurotic guilt. It's a sense of not being worthy that you can't shake. And it comes in forms of religious tenor. Oh, I'm an old sinner saved by grace. I'm just human being. That's why I feel this way. And that's why I'm doing these things. And that's why I tell it like it is. And that's why I just speak my mind. You ought not to. You ought not speak your emotions all the time. You need to level that with the convictions of the Holy Spirit. But condemnation says you're not worthy. There's a sense of not being good enough. You're not qualified. You're not talented enough. You're not holy enough. You're not godly enough. So I say this to you. If God has forgotten and forgiven, why don't you forgive yourself? Once you've confessed it, once you've let it go, it's over. One thing God cannot do is remember sin once it's been washed by the blood. It's over. It's in your past. It's gone. It's forgotten. It's forgiven. Move on in Jesus' name. You know, friends, we all have this nature in us that wants revenge. You learn that when you go through Bible school. It's in theology called the Adamic nature. It comes from Adam. It's this sense of revenge, man. I want it my way and I want revenge. It's that Adamic nature. It's the carnal nature that won't forgive anybody, not ever. We all have that. Your carnal nature wants revenge, even if it means holding on to the poison of that resentment for a lifetime. How many of you have ever heard of the feud between the Hatfield and the McCoys? It's a feud that I know we're in California, but it started in West Virginia. 
And it was a river of blood that started from one family fighting another family. And they fought this war for 30 plus years in the hill of the mountain in West Virginia. There's body after body of this family feud between the Hatfield and the McCoys. You shot my brother, I shoot your brother. You hurt my daddy, I hurt your daddy, and go on and so forth. But there's nothing new under the sun. You say, well, that doesn't happen like that today. You're wrong. In Matthew chapter 24, the spine of prophecy, Jesus said in verse 4, take heed that no man deceives you. And then he says in verse 11, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. He talked about wars and rumors of wars would come upon this earth. Then he says something interesting. He says nation would rise against what? Nation. And that's talking about ethnos. That means ethnicity would rise against ethnicity. And they would have trouble fighting one another. It's nothing new under the sun. You see it happening all the time with Hispanic gangs, whether they're Nuestra Familia and La M A, or whether they're Bloods and Crips, African American gangs, or whether they're Asian gangs fighting among each other. You say, well, that's the world thing. That never happens in the church. Hmm. Get real. It happens in the church all the time. They just tie it with Jesus' name. They tie it with godly things and take scriptures out of context to justify their anger and resentment at that other person. There's nothing new under the sun. You say that never happens in church. Yes, it does. Do you know there's a difference between the Old Testament concept of forgiveness and the New Testament concept of forgiveness? Can I tell you real quickly how that works? In the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye. An eye for an eye. That means you, you punch me in the eye, I get to punch you in the eye. You kill my cow, guess what? I'm blowing away your cow. An eye for an eye, that's how it went down in the Old Testament. It's true. It was the way that you got back at somebody. If you did something, I can do something back unto you. That was exactly how it was meant to go. But now we get to Jesus in the New Testament. He introduced a new covenant. Everybody say a new covenant. A new covenant is found in his words in Romans 12, 17, where we are commanded never to pay evil for evil. Oh, my gosh. Therefore, you hit me in the eye, can't hit you back. No. We deal with that with our children, don't we? When something bad happens to them, we say, don't be bullied, don't do it, but don't repay evil for evil. But now we're grown-ups in the room. And we've been hurt, we've been offended, and God says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't repay negative words with negative words. But the person that comes with the offense at first, Proverbs 18 says, always seems right, especially when they do it in Jesus' name. Some of you ain't getting what I'm putting down, but I'll keep it up. It always seems right when the first person comes and tells you the saga. And there's always three sides to the story. Yours, theirs, and the truth. Right in the middle. So what's the difference? In the Old Testament, you can whack them. They whack you, you whack them back. But in the New Testament, you got to turn the other cheek. Man, what's the difference? How do you get around all that? Why did God allow people in the Old Testament to whack each other? In the New Testament, he says, vengeance is mine. Don't you know God's a lot greater at getting back at your enemies than you'll ever be? You ever read the Bible? He'll mess you up. He'll give you hemorrhoids. It's in the Bible. He will mess you up. You mess with him and his people. 
God will send bugs as weapons. He'll, he'll do crazy things that you think are unconventional to get back at the enemies of God and the enemies of his children. All you need to do is sit back and rest and let God go to work. What's the difference between the old and the new? The answer is this. We have the power, my friends, of the cross. In the New Testament, and that power of that blood, they did not. Christ bore the sting of your resentment at the cross. Christ bore the pain of your rejection at the cross. He bore the burden of your betrayal at the cross. Christ bore the agony of your darkest disappointment at the cross. We sing that song up in the church back in the day. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Hallelujah for the cross of Jesus Christ. But not only do we have to let these things go, but you also need to know something today, and this is worth a teaching, and I'm going to do it in the next two minutes. Forgiveness demands a change in conduct. Women hear me that have abusive men in your life. Forgiveness demands a change in in conduct. Forgiveness is not soft-hearted foolishness. It's demanding. It's in the, it's, it's in the cleansing business. No, it, it, it's, the, it's the letting that go once and for all, not just hope, uh, thinking it's going to get well. In other words, when you forgive, it's full of compassion, but it demands a change in conduct of the ones that are around you. You say, well, I've never been told that. Now you have. That means you don't let the guy verbally assault you, uh, physically assault you over and over again and say, I love them with the love of Christ. How many beatings will you take before they change? You say, Joey, they're going to change. Yeah, they're getting worse. Forgiveness demands a change in conduct. For God to grant forgiveness without a change in our conduct would make the grace of God an accomplice to evil. When, when the woman was caught in the act of adultery, remember when she was brought before Jesus? Jesus, the law of the Old Testament, eye for an eye, remember? Stone that woman. Jesus, New Testament says, forgive that woman. But he said something amazing after he said, forgive, go and sin no more. I want you to change your conduct because I want you to fulfill your divine assignment on this earth. I want you to change. And forgiveness is not earned. This has to be accepted. So many times we get into church and we think forgiveness has to be earned. And if I can pray more, if I can believe more, if I can give more, then, it, then I'll really be forgiven. And I can really forgive. It's not, it's not earned. You just have to accept it. For by grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so we don't have to boast about it. The Bible says we have forgiveness through his blood. You need to realize that today. I believe with everything in me, friends. I do. I believe it's not, we, it's not, how can I word this? It's not what we find fault in that determines our greatness. Because we're looking for fault, we'll find it. If you're looking for fault with your spouse, your family, you'll find it. If you're looking for fault with the city, you'll find it. If you're looking for fault in a church, you'll find it. It's not what we can find fault with that determines our greatness. I don't believe that at all. I believe it's what we have the strength to forgive that determines our greatness. Not what we find fault with, what we're willing to have the strength to forgive. It's so true. How do I forgive, Joey? You're to forgive like Jesus. He forgave immediately. In Matthew chapter 5, 
he said something that was outrageous. He said, if you're presenting your offering unto God at an altar, and you remember that somebody has ought against you, a brother or sister, he said, you stop praying. You stop being religious. You leave that at the altar and you go and reconcile with them and make it right. It's not right until it's settled right. He said, you go get it right. And sometimes the people you get it right with, they never come around again and that's okay, but you've got it right in your heart. You've got it right in your heart. You're not letting them come to your table anymore because the Bible says don't associate with people who cause discord. So you're not letting them cause any discord anymore. They're changing. You can love them at a distance, but you're not letting it affect you anymore. You're forgiven immediately and you're not letting it affect you anymore. Jesus told us another story of the unmerciful slave. This guy owed an astronomical amount of money to the king. The Bible tells us it was so much money that it was 10 times the total taxes of the whole nation. It was an insurmountable debt. And the king ordered this man to pay up immediately everything that he owed. And he owed such an enormous amount of money. The Bible says he, he pleaded before the king. He fell on his knees and he begged for mercy. And the king showed him mercy and forgave him all the debt that he owed that was insurmountable. He forgave him immediately. And the man, wiping the dust off his knees, went out of the court of the king. And he found another fellow slave that owned him a small amount of money. Not astronomical, just a little bit. And he refused to forgive that debt. And he had a legal right in those days to put that man that owed him money if he couldn't pay into debtor's prison. And so this guy who was forgiven of so much, he wrung the neck of his fellow servant and he literally told him to pay up and put him in jail. When the other fellow slaves heard the sad scene and watched it unfold, they told the king what had happened. The king called the man who had been forgiven of so much back into his chambers. And he said, you wicked slave, I've forgiven you everything that you owed. Could you not have mercy on your fellow man like I had mercy on you? And the Bible says the king was moved with anger and he commanded that man be tormented with the tormentors till he died for the rest of his life. I'm telling you today, friends, there are modern day tormentors. If you don't forgive and let things go, doctors are now telling us high blood pressure, ulcers, things that are starting to cause heart issues are a result of unforgiveness. Now medical science is telling us what God said back in his word thousands of years ago. These are modern day tormentors. I'm telling you for your benefit, for your well-being, you've got to forgive not only yourself, but you forgot to forgive those that have hurt you and you've got to walk out of there so you won't be tormented any longer.